Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast with Doug Skeen from the Yacht Club at Tawas, I believe it is. And so looking good, Skeen. Having a great summer? Having a great summer, Ballas. I am um, very blessed to be up here. Uh, Tawas Bay Yacht Club is a great spot to be. We, as we've talked about before, yesterday, Ballas, as you know, I like the game of golf, so I took the day off yesterday to go to the Great Lakes Invitational in Midland at the Midland Country Club. Anybody that has not had a chance to do that, I highly recommend it. Um, got to watch and follow Annika Sorenstam for most of her round yesterday. Yesterday was the only the second event she's played in since coming out of retirement. So very, very cool to see the uh, the greatest female golfer ever play for a round of golf on an awesome country club. And um, well, she, it was a great day. So yeah, I'm having a good summer. Enjoy. Did she tell you that playing with Bill Simonson was the highlight of her career? <laughs> no. no, not yet? Okay. No, I'm no. Cool that up north. Yeah, believe it or not, we didn't have a conversation. Oh, really? She didn't and, recognize you? No, she didn't recognize me or okay. the fact that, you know, we know Bill. So no. Great. Uh, the extent of the conversation was my wife, Tracy, told her good shot when she drove a three-wood 
from like 200 and something yards to within 20 feet of a pin. Um, and uh, wow, just watching those players play, Ballas, and you know, again. Yeah. Wait a minute! You saw me do that up north on uh, on the part three. So. <laughs> no. Yes, you did. Yeah, that it was not a part. You're right. It was. It was a par three, but you yep. hit your driver across that pond. No, 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 no. It was the second. It was the second par three. I hit the three wood. Yeah, oh. the one with the hill, the sloped green. Come on, man! Give me a little credit. I'm <laughs> to my golf career. So, anyway, forget all that. Uh, it's been a good summer. How about you, Ballas? What have you been doing this summer? Not a whole lot. Uh, you know, waiting to talk to you, man, and get you back on the podcast. So doing a lot of writing. We got the football preview to bed, but uh, let's talk some football here. And let's talk first things first. Uh, we lost Gary Moeller. And, you know, I remember uh, talking to you when we lost Bo Schembechler on the way down to the Michigan-Ohio State game. It was a Friday night before the 2006 contest, and you and all your teammates were broken up about it. And uh, and I know you have strong feelings for Gary Moeller, too, uh, who took over for Bo Schembechler, and we always knew that he was going to, but it was a pretty seamless transition scheme, and, and he won Big Ten Coach of the Year twice in, in his first three years. You guys, he revolutionized the offense. You guys were uh, – you chubby guys had to get in a little better shape to move a little faster, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, But just talk about what he meant to you and your teammates because uh, in my dealings with him, always just a first-class guy. Well, off the field, Coach Moeller was awesome. We all we all loved him, and it was obvious that he loved us. And um, but a great coach to be around. And and yeah, you know when when Bo had retired, there was a lot of you know wonder about what the program was going to do. Were we going to have significant changes? Was it going to feel and look and be different? Um, and what a great job he did to retain the same culture and and. Boy, it just felt the same, it's just except the bow wasn't there. So, and then uh, you know the 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 communications that we had as as we got to be juniors and seniors with Coach Mo and upperclassmen certainly felt very very sincere uh, as he wanted our opinion on things. Um, was talked to would talk to me and my my classmates about the way things were going with the team and. And so that relationship was strong. Um, I really, really appreciated, you know, everything that Coach Mo did for me. Um, you know, even when Bo was the head coach, obviously Coach Moeller was, you know, was running that offense when we got there. And so, you know, Mo had an enormous impact on what was going to happen on the field and who was being developed and what was going on. And so, um, you know, we, we all had very strong feelings for him and uh, still do. So it was very sad to see him go. Uh, but at the same time, as you and I chatted the other day, boy, what a great run that he had. What an awesome career. What a great life. And, uh, you know, all the the stardom that he had at Ohio State. And, you know, I know Ohio State meant a lot to him. And the fact that he came to Michigan for all those years and did what he did. And you and I have talked about this before. I don't think that'll ever happen again. I don't think that, uh, you know, an Ohio State star Imagine you're the captain of the Ohio State football team, and someday you have your full allegiance to the Michigan football program and, and become to be a head coach. And so um, that takes a special person to do it, and he did that. And so at 81 years old, and the last time I saw Mo was at one of the reunion uh, games in Ann Arbor for our teams and uh, remembered everybody's names, and it was great to see him. And, and so sadly, as he's gone, um, you know, it's that – cliche circle of life thing you look kind of look and go yeah it's sad that he's left us but what a great honor it was to have known him and been led, and been led by him 
And as I said uh, to some other folks, the, the stuff that I learned from Moeller, um, I do to this day in work and as home at home as a father and a husband. And so this is the legacy that he leaves behind. And so yeah. and you know, the, foot, the football stuff bows back to you said chubby yeah. guys getting a little bit better shape. Yeah. Uh, we ran our asses off endlessly to run <laughs> to run that no huddle offense that he wanted to put in, which he did put in. Yep. Holy cow, did we run? We never ran more because, you know, summertime we ran with Gittleson all summer and got in great shape. And then we get to camp and he made us run even more. Yeah. Um, and that year, that first year we did it uh, in the Big Ten, we were just, it was a track meet, right? We were just running people off the field. They were gassed by halftime because we we're running yeah. that no huddle stuff. And the entire playbook at the line of scrimmage with colors and numbers and code words, people were on their heels. And that was a lot of fun. But boy, was it a lot of work. But it was yeah. worth it. Yeah, you're damn right. It was worth it. Two Big Ten championships uh, under Mo. Actually, three when you were there, 90, 91, 92. You should have brought the rings to show Annika. I think that would have impressed you. <laughs> but maybe then you get her attention. But regardless, uh, a great guy. And, of course, we know how he went out. We don't need to rehash that because that is not his legacy. I was talking to our John Borton yesterday, and he said, you know, if we were all judged by our worst night on earth, uh, none of us would be looking very good at this point. And – so, uh, yeah, when I remember him, the one thing I remember about him, Steen, and the, the one time that I really engaged with him one-on-one, -on -one, he was sitting next to us in the press box at the Ohio State game. They gave him a, a seat up there next to the media. He probably should have had a better seat, but uh, it, was, it was a good seat. And, you know, he was looking down there, and Rich Rodriguez was coaching, and he said, you know, what I wouldn't give just to be down there one more time. And I looked at him, I said, Coach, I think all of us are saying the same thing right now. <laughs> And, uh, and he comes over and he pats me on the shoulder, you know, and puts his hands on my shoulders. And I'll never forget that and how good that made me feel, you know. And uh, but just no, because we, we knew and we understood what he meant to this program beyond just being the head coach at Michigan. But for 20 years, I think 11 coaches in Michigan history were at Michigan for 20 years. So uh, just a, an unbelievable legacy and, and what he meant to this program. I don't think he's going to get the due he deserves. But uh, to me, he's right up there, like Jim Brandstatter said, with the best of the best. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately for Moeller's time, you know, three back-to-back -back titles in his first three years, um, you know, he's sandwiched between Schembechler and Coach Carr, and we all know what those two great coaches did. So, uh, you know, those of us that played there, those of us that knew Coach Mo and that staff and the program, we'll never forget him. And, mm -hmm. and when we talk about him, we'll say the same things we just talked about now. He was one of the greats. Yeah. Now with Mo, was it a little different with Mo? Were you guys able to be yourselves a, a little more? And uh, I mean, I know Everett, you know, was out there and, and what you guys were doing, or was Mo more of a no-nonsense guy too, or, or how much different was it? No, it, you know, if it was different, right? Mm -hmm. So, because because Coach Moeller was not Bo, right? They are two different guys. Uh, they were two different guys. And so there were some differences that certainly felt maybe a little bit looser, right? You know, Bo liked to run the building like it was, you know, the the – the, the field battle tent for General Patton. Uh, and that was the, the idea, you know, walking around there, like make sure you, you know, stand up straight, keep your head up and, and at all times be ready to salute when, the, you know, the, the general walks by. That was, you know, I'm paraphrasing in my yeah. own mind of those experiences. But, you know, Coach Moeller was a little more relaxed. Yeah, it felt like maybe a little more approachable. Um, and, you know, football-wise, so much had changed. Naturally, we had a lot of questions. And a lot of wonderment about how you know what we're what we're actually going to try to do. So there was naturally a a closer relationship, I think, with us players and the coaching staff about what we needed to do 
in those first couple of years as that new style of offense was installed at Michigan. So it was it was good times. And I remember having good meetings with Coach Mo in his office. And, and you know, the messaging from from Mo was still very direct skiing. You're too fat. You need to be faster and uh, and, you know, work hard because, you know, that's that was just always the message for me that I needed to hear. And, uh, I, and I got the blunt answers from Coach Moore just as I did from any other coaches. And to this day, my closest friends say, Skeen, you're too fat. You need to be faster. <laughs> so, <laughs> that guy in a yellow shirt. Right. Yeah. Even Penn State fans are telling me, uh, you know, hey, fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you did a great job. In no, I, listen, I my experience with with you know the transition to coach moeller and ours was it was awesome you know yeah. hey we won the big 10 every year went to all those rose bowls and and uh, at, at that time you know the way the college football was set up and and the structure of the big 10 we were at the top and, and yeah. just a few plays away from an undefeated national championship season we were undefeated in our last year but we had those stupid ties because we didn't have overtime in college playoff or college football back then but uh, well, we had good teams, Ballas, and you know that. You watched us play. We had really good teams. Yeah, we'll miss Gary Moeller. All right, let's switch gears here and talk about name, image, and likeness. I know your favorite thing and uh, about college athletics these days. And uh, let's not call it college athletics anymore, uh, amateur athletics. Let's call it what it is. It's semi-pro football. And Michigan's playing from behind a little bit. We're seeing it in this recruiting class, Doug. And it was really kind of what we were concerned about going into this. Is Michigan going to be prepared? You know, there are things that uh, in talking to people behind the scenes, they're saying this isn't sustainable. You know, what's going on this pay for play? You know, it'll all even out eventually. But if you have a couple bad recruiting classes and it leads to a couple bad years on the football field, then you're going to be playing catch up again. Kind of the way they were when Rich Rodriguez came in and, you know, that fell apart and set the program back at least five years. So your thoughts on where this thing is headed and Michigan's role in it. I can't imagine that you want to see. Michigan start paying for players, do you? Well, of course not. You know, I think us Michigan fans and us old school college football fans want to see as close to as possible as the structure of college football that we had before NIL. But I would tell you that I think it's all gone. I think that the days of that era are absolutely gone. Um, I think the days of the era of the of the blue blood programs having, <clears throat> you know, the school and the uniform and the fight song and the stadiums as their advantages over other schools to recruit kids, uh, which all came with a lot of success, I think that's gone. Um, the way I read this, the way I understand this, and talking to some people that are in and around the, 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 the college NIL scene, um, some people that work with agents, um, players now, it's all about the money, man. And when you see you know high school kids coming out of school, getting multi-million dollar offers to show up at a school and driving the fanciest of cars cars and automobiles on earth and all the clothes and the jewelry and whatever it takes to get a kid to come play, play for you. And most of the schools and, and other parts of the country are playing at that level to just go buy players and buy a roster uh, with nothing stopping them from doing it. As I feared, I thought Michigan would be left in the dust because I didn't think we were going to want to play that game per the rules. And I don't think we are playing that game. And I do think there's going to be a dip here. Now, you said something earlier. It's unsustainable. I also believe that to a degree right now, Ballas. But I also think that, yes, it it's unsustainable, but it's going to take a little bit of time for the free market to work this self, itself yeah. out. 
how, how many kids are, you know, uh, the NIL thing, how many kids are going to get signed to these multi-million dollar investment deals? And, and if I'm a, if I'm a millionaire and I want to go buy a bunch of players from my favorite college and three of the five of them turn out to be not so great or, you know, have whatever problems and don't turn out to be the kind of players that I expected them to be. Well, how do I feel about my multi-million dollar investment then? So there's, there's going to be some caution and some changes to the way I think these guys are being paid. But that's going to take a few years to wash itself out. Yeah. And so investors, if you will, or heavy donors at the college level across the country are going to be just like NFL teams in that, hey, we can, you know, we can look at this free agent, which is what a, you know, a kid is now at the college level, because they're all free agents all the time, because there's basically nothing stopping them from transferring. We can look at this free agent and decide how much money we want to give, but what's the risks? And how much money do we blow? We can already look at an example. The Ewers kid, right, at Ohio State, the quarterback. the Whoever pulled that money together to get him to go there, that was a lot of money. And the kid played, you know, one semester and a few games and gone, gone to Texas where he's, you know, getting some more money. And now because of the Manning kid down there, he may transfer again. Right. And so how many times is this going to happen before the people with the money say, wait a second, let's adjust this. But for now, I think we're being – I think Michigan is being left in a little bit in the rearview mirror. I think we're in the rearview mirror to start this whole process because Michigan wants to do things the right way, as we should. But sadly, uh, the way college football is going right now, it's it's going to be a dramatic change, and I don't think we're going to be necessarily at the top of this. No, I don't think ever. Right? And it's kind of like when everybody says, "Well, can we be can we be Alabama and Clemson?" You know, you're never going to be that. I'm sorry, uh, and never, Michigan really never has. You know, there's that's, there's a reason that Michigan's got one half of a national championship in 50 years, right? And it's because they haven't been willing to go all in, I guess, uh, the way that other programs have. You look at the bodies, you look at the, the you know, the, the athletes. Uh, that Georgia defense was a generational thing or a once every 10 year thing. Uh, you know, we'll have something on this in an article today, but the way they prepared for Michigan and the talent on that team, you're not gonna see that very often. And guess what it takes to get that? Uh, just. Just a hunch. I guess I can't really say it definitively because they don't have a case <laughs> Hey, I, listen, I don't think it's a hunch, man. I think, right. I think I think high school kids and college kids right now are walking into a coach or whoever the handler is or who their handlers are, the you know, yeah. the uncle or the you can call them agents now. You can call them agents now, Skeen, because agents are approaching these guys. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm very aware of that. They, yeah. So you could call them whatever you want to call it, yeah. whatever term you want it. Basically, these, these, these players are contacting these other football programs and are coming out of high school with a number already in mind because, you know, there's a recruiting website that says, hey, I, this right here says that I'm worth $500,000. So that's the starting point, yep. coach. So what kind of package do you have for me? And if you're thinking anything other than that in college football right now to try to get a player, I think you're you're – you're 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 at the back of the line. You're not anywhere near the front of this thing. And do I think Michigan's playing up there in the front? No, no. I don't think we are. I know they aren't. And uh, and it is on three actually at on three dot com. You can go and see the value, the estimated value of kids, and uh, and it's growing. Uh, there are kids that Michigan has led for, and that's the sad part, you know. And I'll give some of these kids credit. Some of the kids they've landed have been approached with huge deals, and we're going to take you know kids. We're going to take care of your mom and everything else. But the Michigan coaches have done as good a job as they can. That's the thing. They're being criticized, some of these guys. I listen to people criticizing Sharon Moore, who I know is a great recruiter, and uh, you know loses a kid to LSU because he wants to 
because Brian Kelly apparently told him he wants him to transform the ac academic reputation of the school. I'm sorry, I'm trying to try not to crack up here. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, so they're they're doing a great job. But you know what? It takes a lot to convince these kids that hey, you're going to get yours, and they are getting they're starting to get theirs here. But Michigan's just getting started in this thing. I will say this though: there are a couple people that have approached me about some collectives that they, that they want to run, and I'm hoping that the other guys already involved are open to this and that this doesn't become, you know, Hey, this is our baby. You know, this has got to be a team effort scheme if they want to, if they want to be competitive. Yeah. It's going to have to be, it's not going to be just one, right. It ain't going to be just Steven Ross. Uh, right. Ross Foster. It, it, it can't right. be right. But, but you, you mentioned that, that, you know, the neutralizer, right. That's a difference. So if, if I'm a high school kid or if I'm a guy on a college roster anywhere in America right now, and I'm looking around the country going, well, where do I want to go? Um, well, yeah, Michigan's got a lot to offer, right? And they got, you know, all that, all the facilities and the tradition and a great, a great degree and academic and experience opportunities on campus that, that is unique in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, maybe I can go there and over the course of a couple of years, make, you know, a few hundred grand, let's just make that number up or, you know, Hey, Ole Miss just called my, uh, my agent. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Coach Kiffin down there is, uh, is, you know, telling me or his people are telling me that I've got a package worth three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah, you know, they don't have Michigan Stadium. They don't have the uniforms um, and they haven't been as relevant as Michigan has in the last couple of years, you know. Um, but you know, half a million bucks will go a long way. So uh, sorry, Coach Harbaugh, I'm out of here. I'm going to Ole Miss. See ya. Bye. That's what's happening in America right now. And it, it's not just in the example I gave, but, you know, if, if you're an all-star player or all-conference in the MAC, you ain't staying at Eastern Michigan or Western. You're going up to the Big Ten next year, and you're finding money to do so. If you're an all-Big Ten linebacker at Indiana, why would you stay there if you can go play your last two years at Ohio State or at Oklahoma, and they'll pay you a half million dollars per season? Yeah. You're gone, transfer, see ya, and you don't even have to tell your head coach. You can tell them, oh, yeah, I'm staying. Hey, sure, coach, I'm staying. I'm looking, you know, I'm going to be all for the team. And the night before the transfer portal deadline hits, you drop your name in, and 48 hours later, you show up in Norman, Oklahoma, or Southern California playing for the Trojans, and you got a million bucks in your pocket. Yeah. That's what's happening in college football right now, Bows. You know this. You and I know this. Because yes. we hear the stories. We know the people who are right next to this stuff. And Michigan is not playing in that arena and that's what sucks. So I'm bracing, right? I'm bracing for this reality that we've seen. And I'm kind of thinking for Michigan football, we're not going to disappear. Michigan football, in my mind, as we have discussed before, I think we did with, with Huge over at the Tullymore events, it's going to be like every three to five years. You know, yeah. the, the plants are going to align. You're going to have a Hutch and a Jabo and a quarterback. And the, you're going to have a team that's going to make a run at it every three to five years. The question is, what will that run look like? Is it going to end the way we've seen Ohio State and Michigan's runs end in the last two seasons with getting destroyed by a team from the South? Sadly, I think that's the case. Yes, I do too, 100%. So, all right, let me ask you about expansion here. Um, first of all, the new president. Uh, you know, we broke the news this week that Santa Ono, who was at Cincinnati, now at British Columbia, or was at British Columbia, now coming to Michigan, was going to be the next guy. This is a guy that's been crowd surfing at Nippert Stadium in, in Cincinnati, loves football, loves athletics. 
uh, to me, a breath of fresh air. You're going to have some synergy, in my opinion, between the academics and the and the athletics people that they haven't had before. And he wants to still win at the highest level. He's not a guy looking for excuses. That can only help the program, right? Uh, good grief, yeah. Alice. That's when when the president of the university knows where the football building is, where the basketball, who the coaches are and the facilities and is all in on athletics and understands the value of how an athletic department and a football basketball program can drive the entire university and understands how to leverage that. That is nothing but great news for Michigan um, to have someone at the leadership position like that. And then the crowd surfing, the excitement, that's just going to draw your students in excitement and, and all those things. And you know, those, those empty student sections that you see in every Big Ten football stadium across the country, especially if it's a noon game and they're all sleeping off their night before hangover. Uh, maybe a guy with that kind of excitement uh, may help, you know, fill those seats on those on those noon kickoffs and just drive energy and excitement. So that is really cool to hear because in the previous presidency we had at Michigan, I'm, I wasn't so convinced the dude even knew where Schumbeckler Hall was. Right. Uh, nor cared. Um, and so that doesn't mean that he had, didn't have his own expertise, but as he, le as he leaves town with his tail between his legs in shame, uh, which sucks that, uh, someone in a position of that has to do that and, and cause the problems for the block M, uh, and bring that kind of negativity. Uh, this is a breath of fresh air for our new president. That's exciting. And I think, uh, I look forward to seeing what this guy's going to do from that position to, you know, make people excited about coming to the games and, sports and the women's sports that Michigan has going on and everything else. I think it'd be cool to watch. Yeah. And Mary Sue Coleman was great. I thought in that role, she was probably the one who was most in tune with it uh, when she came over from Iowa. So, uh, and kudos to her for taking over when, when Schlissel got the ax. So, and coming back, she was in Colorado playing with her grandchildren comes back and, uh, and does her duty there. So, uh, all right, USC, UCLA, man, in the big 10, I can't stand it. You know what? Get off my lawn. I don't give a crap. You know what? I mean, this whole thing, it's like, what, what are we doing here? And uh, I, I understand it from a financial standpoint and, you know, adapt or die type of thing. And But uh, it's exactly what Schembechler predicted. It's exactly what Lloyd Carr said, you know, when he was in, in the twilight of his career. And he said, if there's a playoff, I don't want to be around to see it. And he said, oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe I better strike that because he knew it was coming. It's coming. But, yeah, to me, it's, you know what, you've cheapened the, the, the regular season to an extent, you know, or, or at least the bowl, the, the postseason. You know, you've got the only thing that matters are those four games or those two games at the end of the year. Well, I think, you know, the the the, the following a part of the Pac-12 with USC and UCLA leaving to join our league, it just, for me, Ballas, and, and you and I have talked about this, and some of my old teammates, we've talked about this, this just puts a, a – it puts a border and a wrap on the era that we knew is over and gone. Yep. And now my generation of guys that played in, in, in across the country, we're the old grainy film that's on VHS tapes with the old graphics, you know, when we look back at Keith Jackson calling our games and boy, what an exciting time that was because it was, but that era is now officially gone and college football now is a coast to coast operation just like the nfl time zones don't matter anymore it's all about building a league to protect itself driving enormous staggering amounts of revenue to your league from television contracts and local market you know initiatives etc everything you want to identify there 
the Big Ten is now coast to coast. I would look for the SEC to do the exact same, more than they already have. I don't you know, see doesn't anybody on the West Coast yet, but they probably will. And then it's going to come down to, you know, hey, let's set up a playoff system and we'll, we'll, we'll get the NCAA out of this altogether, right? As, the, as they already have in the playoffs, right? And so um, this is just where it is. And, and you talked about semi-pro football. This is, it is pro football, right? Just with sprinkling a little college, you know, classes in between. Yeah. Uh, you know, for schools like Michigan that where you actually have to go to school. Yeah. Uh, but at, at most of the other schools, you don't even have to step foot on campus. You can just sit in front of a computer and do your classes forever. Right. Um, so this is this is professional football at the college level. And it's going to be the same in basketball. It'll be the same in some other sports as well to a degree, but none more than football. And it just you can say it sucks because we've lost the era that we love so much that I personally had a chance to be a part of. And it's just a matter of it's a history mark now. And yep. so the, the the new sun has risen and it's over and it's all about the money and driving this excitement toward these leagues. And well, I guess we should just embrace it or sit back and say, yeah, get off my lawn, kid. And uh, I like the old days. And, and, not, and my feeling is, hey, don't get off my lawn, kid. Let me tell you about the old days and right. why they were what they were. And then let's talk about the new days. Yeah. Well, they won't do that. They'll have their heads in their phones. So <laughs> now, get off, now get off my lawn. So I will say one last thing, though, Skeen, and speaking directly to boosters who write the checks. Okay, these are guys that are directly involved. And, in fact, one of them who uh, is funding a lot of this stuff and trying to make sure they are committed to making sure that Michigan is competitive. And, in fact, I had a guy tell me, that, hey, this is what the starting quarterback should be making at Michigan. This is what I expect him to make by the end of the year, which I thought was a positive, okay? Um, in other words, this is what we have in mind, and it's positive momentum as NIL is concerned. Um, so uh, that, of course, begs the question, are, is there going to be jealousy in the locker room, so on and so forth? So we aren't talking numbers anymore. We aren't, we aren't doing that, but I will just say that these boosters are committed to getting Michigan to this point uh, you know, and of course, it's once they get here. So whether that means they're going to get kids from the transfer portal, whether they're going to make promises, you know, who knows. But at least there is a group of guys committed to the cause. Well, that that's that's reassuring to hear, and I believe that to be the case for Michigan and every other school is going to have a group of alumni mm -hmm. that care about their athletics and that have the capital to support these programs. Michigan and others, you know, are just it's going to be the same across the country. The question is, is who's going to have more? Who's going to have deeper pockets, and that'll be, you know, a differentiator for a lot of a lot of things. You mentioned uh, not talking about the money and problems in the locker room, Ballas. There's no secrets, man. In those locker rooms, guys are going to know what other dudes are making. It's just like being in an NFL locker room. Where you're you're always going to know the quarterback's making ten million dollars a year, and I'm making you know league minimum at left guard because I'm trying to make it in this league, right? You're just gonna just gonna realize these things. The question is for the players. When you know the differences that, you know, that guy's making this much and that guy's making that much and I'm only making this much, what will that do to the individual? Where they Will they get pissy and jealous and angry and become a problem on the team? Or will they go, hey, I want to get paid that much, therefore I'm going to work to earn it and I'm going to go get it. And the only thing that we have to hope for is that they stay at Michigan yeah. to go earn it and that they don't jump on the transfer portal and go get it from somebody else. That's yeah. the danger and the problem 
that exists across college football right now. Yeah, it's crazy. He's Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All Big Ten offensive lineman. Skeen, we've taken up enough of your time on this beautiful day. Go back out on your boat. I think it's called NFL Settlement, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm sorry. What's it called? It's co- it's called Living Under Par. Val. Oh, I guess. That's <laughs> even better. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll get there someday, my friend. So, <laughs> yep. So uh, he is also the uh, the forward T champion at the Tullymore Classic. So, and I've got your T shirt uh, still here, and uh, I and I will wear it. I when yes, that, I know when you will. Comes, uh, yep. and it's going to happen later this summer. Sure. I will put on the pink T-shirt and I will play golf from the forward tees like we do in the evenings over there. And I will listen to you and Simonson giggle. And it'll probably be two sizes too small, so I'm going to look like Will Ferrell out there. I can't wait. Fat guy in a little shirt. Perfect. And but I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna stroke that golf ball. I'm gonna put that Titleist up over and a nice little baby draw. And I'm gonna put it in the middle of the green. And I'm gonna putt for a birdie. And if the worst thing happens, I'll make a par, and you guys will be over in the weeds. I'm You're totally right, hundred percent. I wish I could argue with that, but I can't. Skeen, <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, you too, Ballas. Go blue. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.